Well, great. Uh, welcome to the um, LPG shipping panel. Um, my name is Ben Nolan. I'm with Stiefel. Hopefully you can see me okay. I'm working off of my uh, iPhone here. Also, incidentally, I, I do have the coronavirus, so it's a good thing we're not here in person. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, hopefully I will have to do a little bit of talking, but not too much so you don't hear me call. Um, we're, we're very pleased to have a, a broad a base of panelists here covering a number of areas within the LPG world. Um, specifically, uh, first from Poten, uh, we had, uh, we have, uh, Ziad Afez. I don't, I, you're going to have to correct me on that one. By the way, I saw that you're an Aggie, which I think is fantastic as am I, but, uh, the, uh, and, and then, and then John from, Dor I'm just going to go real quick here. John from Dorian, Jens from Exmar and Eric from Avance. Uh, collectively, these represent some of the biggest LPG shipping companies and in Poten, one of the biggest, uh, LPG think tanks, uh, in the world. And so, uh, collectively, I think this is a, a very good opportunity to, uh, to really understand exactly what's happening in this very volatile and, and chaotic world. So um, with that, I, I think we'll, um, I, I wanted to turn it over just first to Ziad to maybe lay a little groundwork. What are we looking at uh, with respect to um, underlying changes in the world as a function? Well, first, maybe back up. Let's, let's frame this as what did the world look like a month ago, two months ago? And then how has that changed now from an LPG perspective? Thanks, Ben. Uh, greetings, everyone. Uh, so like, you know, before we learn about this, we were actually having a good year for the LPG market. Like, you know, the rates were high, exports were growing, especially from the US. And um, we, we had a pretty solid uh, growth in seaborne exports and production from the US, as you all know. But uh, since then, we have been constantly updating our forecast as uh, the information is fluid, the virus spreading rapidly in different regions. So if we start with where it started in China back in, uh, you know, uh, right before their uh, New Year holiday, so, Usually that time of the year, Chinese demand goes down, but since they extended the holidays and we started to learn that how it's widely spreading, we had to change our forecast drastically. So uh, since our January forecast, we have since lowered Chinese demand by roughly 2.5 MMT, which currently we're forecasting Chinese LPG demand will be roughly around 62 0.3 metric tons for 2020. As a result of that, we have also lowered Chinese import forecast by roughly two metric tons for 2020, uh, which is currently forecast a little over 24 metric ton. Uh, just to be uh, like, you know, let, let you know, like this doesn't mean we are actually decreasing overall demand and imports in China. It's still gonna go up year over year because there is several pans that are supposed to come online in China this year. Uh, there's like three, uh, three PDH plans and uh, LPG-based uh, crackers that are supposed to come online this year. So we have pushed some of those projects a few months because of this, as we hear from the plant owners, but still they're still expected to come online this year. 
and that will have significant impact of Chinese demand going forward. But, um, but if the market recovers very slowly, which is the case right now, we expect Chinese demand to recover very slowly then uh, because of what's going on globally now, because there will be less demand. Uh, if, if things gets worse from where it is now, there could be some more revisions coming in. But if we look at overall demand in Asia, the, the, the revision is a little bit less than what we see in China. It's, uh, we have lowered overall Asian demand by 1.5 MNT. And the reason is even with this uh, virus spreading and uh, there is some upside in some countries where LPG is being used as cooking fuel. Like India, for example, recently announced they're gonna go into a 21 day lockdown but they are forecasting demand will actually go up because people are staying home and as a result, demand will go up. And Chinese, uh, I'm sorry, Indian refiners are actually preparing to produce more LPG because of that, uh, the state-run refineries. And now the virus is widely spreading into Europe and somewhat in Mediterranean region. And pretty much all those countries who are major consumer of LPG in terms of autogas, they're shutting down like you know in somewhat lockdown measures so now we have revised our forecast and demand in the europe and mid uh so what we see that uh in in northwest europe and mid we are uh lowering our um demand by roughly 1.2 metric ton from where we were seeing it a few months ago so right now we expect combined Europe and mid demand would be 46.9 MMT and C imports would be lowered by uh, over half a metric ton to 28.6 MMT. And the reason what we see is like, you know, Turkey has announced some uh, containment measures, Poland, then Italy, all of these have been hit hard. And these are all major autogas consuming market. So once you don't see any movement in the private citizen, there will be huge drop in autogas demand in, this, in these uh, few countries in the coming months. And um, Europe and MED combined has roughly 11 metric ton of uh, autogas demand on an annual basis. So market expectations is anywhere between 20 to 50% drop in the coming month. And you'll also see lower demand in the summer driving season where people usually would drive more but the long-term effect of this uh, uh, coronavirus and the economic recovery will most likely reduce those demands as well somewhat in the summer months. So another thing I would like to uh, also focus is US production, which has been also hit hard, not only because of the demand, demand uh, in oil, uh, but also like you know, Saudi Arabia's decision to increase production and exports. There's been a lot of questions we got that like, how would US production of LPG will be impacted because of low oil price? I mean, we have revised down both LPG production and export out of US because of that, but we, we are not expecting that it will actually drop. It will still grow, albeit at a lower rate than what we are forecasting before. And, and the reason is there is a wave of new fractionators coming online in US in the next two years, which would add roughly a third of fractionation capacity in the US from where it is now. 
we also have like we also expect that you know a gas recovery even if oil production goes down gas recovery would be higher because that is being flared right now so even with a lower oil production you'll still see associated gas being recovered at a higher rate than where it was so considering all those we still expect like u.s production will go up in the next uh, two years as well as exports so what we saw like you know last two years annual basis u.s production from gas plants went up 13 percent per year uh, reaching roughly 74.7 mmt in 2019 in 2020, the growth rate is ex ex expected to be around 7% and 2021, 4%, and which would bring US production to roughly 83.4 MMT in 2021. Um, and as far as exports goes, like uh, we revised lower US export from 46.3 MMT to 45.7 MMT for 2020. And the revision is much higher for 2021. The reason is uh, there is more, there was, we were expecting more export growth in 2021 after Enterprise, Targa all finished their expansion projects uh, on the terminal wise. So there was a little bit more production growth, I mean, export growth expected in 2021. So the reduction is much higher in 2021. So our current forecast says uh, exports would drop from 51.9 MMT to 49 MMT for 2021. So those are the broad uh, revisions we have done and uh, and probably would change as more information comes in, learn more about the changes in the markets. Okay, so collectively, if you could maybe put a bow on all of that, how just for, let's say, um, seaborne trade purposes, um, do you guys have a view on a percentage basis as to how much the market is expected to grow in 2020 and uh, 2021 uh, on a revised basis? So like in number wise, though, uh, 2019 global seaborne export was roughly 108, what we estimated. It will still go up to 117 in 2020. So it's still uh, still growing at a reasonable rate and and for let me see my uh for 2021 overall uh seaborne trade uh on a global basis we see that it's going to go to 122 mmt so the growth rate for the world for 2020 is eight percent and five percent for 2021 okay well that doesn't sound nearly as bad as uh maybe all the just about everything else in the world <laughs> is uh, been here lately. Um, just uh, appreciating that that uh, um, maybe you don't have a an axe to grind. Uh, I would imagine that the ship owners uh, on, on board here uh, can't be too disappointed with those numbers. Any any thoughts from uh, I, I don't know John's Jens, Eric um, as to how they're viewing the uh, underlying supply and demand dynamics? Well, this is music in in my ears. Uh, if if this is correct, I, I guess you know what you're worried about is the downside risk on these numbers based on what's going on, and I guess it's also a question about you know pricing. How where is this product going to go? Uh, uh, and you know, particularly U.S. arbitrage situation, whether that's still going to be open or we need some price adjustments to be able to do that. And let's not forget that uh, LPG is uh, 
fairly inelastic because uh, 60% of the total demand is uh, usually residential uh, use, heating, home heating and cooking. So that's not gonna change. Uh, actually, the, the softness in the pricing is going to help countries that depend on this. Uh, so we, we see that this demand is going to continue nonetheless, uh, assisted of course with, you know, a lot of other reasons, which is government subsidies, uh, you know, softness of price, and also the convenience of the people having already uh, at their home LPG, it's, they're not going to change. So I think that's an important factor to remember. Yes, and here from Avance, uh, I'm on the, on the same team. Uh, I think uh, it's good to de-dramatize the whole uh, situation a little bit. Uh, we are naturally worried uh, about uh, the developments across the world, as, as we all are. Uh, but I think that once you start drilling down in the numbers, uh, of course, uh, the near-term fundamentals have changed, but the long-term fundamentals are not as impacted uh, as, uh, as, uh, as it may, uh, may seem when you look at our share prices across the, across the board. Great. Now, that said, I think clearly in this market, the primary focus of all investors is downside risk. And uh, maybe, Zia, if you, could, if you could maybe, if I could circle back to you and say, okay, based on sort of your current assumptions, what, uh, where is there downside risk? What could go wrong that maybe the market is, you know, is concerned about? What if oil prices were to say go to $10? Would that have a more, much more draconian impact on sort of underlying shipping demand or something along those lines, or or do you think it's already the uh, the your your numbers are already relatively fully accounting for uh, some of that downside risk? No, that's the base base forecast what we're seeing. But like you know, the, a prolonged downtrend in oil price has a little bit more effect on the at least on the production side for U.S. The thing about the shell production is they have a very high production rate in the initial uh, two years. So even you have uh, drop in oil price now, even when uh, you know independent producers in the Caribbean they pull back on rig count, you're still going to see a high production in the coming year or the next year as well, because they also have the uncompleted wells that they can tap into, even though they're not drilling any new wells. So that's what keeps production stable for a while, but if you have a long-term downside in uh, oil price, that's when you're going to see sharp drop coming in in the long term. That will have a long, so that's where the downside risk is. Um, so nobody knows what you know, the, the Saudi Arabia will decide. Like so far, what I understand, they don't plan to keep producing at a high rate forever. I mean, I guess negotiations is ongoing. So let, so that's a, yeah. There is definitely a big downside risk if for oil production stays high at a prolonged period of time, and uh, and you see uh, like you know low price for a long period of time. But as of now, even with lower drilling activity, you're gonna have production at a reasonable steady state for at least you know a couple of years. That's what we have seen in the previous downturns. Okay, so so if there's any downside risk, it's probably more on U.S. production relative to underlying global consumption or demand. Is that a fair assumption? 
on the consumption side, yes, because um, in the Asian market is uh, slowly recovering. We don't see a huge, uh, like, you know, China's uh, like is uh, recovering as we speak. Indian demand is subsidized and uh, it's residential demand. Rest of the Asia, a lot of it is residential cooking demand, and there's more plants coming online, which are already being built. So they're supposed to come online as it is, with where most of the most of the demand is supposed to come in the coming years, uh, like petrochemical PDH demands in other parts besides China, South Korea as well. They have a lot of expansion projects that are on the chemical side. So the issue is, yeah, there is another downside is if. We hit a global recession and overall petrochemical demand is significantly hit. That's where some of these petrochemical plants might have to reduce their operating rates uh, to, you know, cope up with the drop in global demand. So that's another downside risk on the demand side as well. Okay. So, so, Sahid, I have a question for you. Is because you know what uh, what you're saying is short term. Uh, the risk is not in the U.S. for this year and next year, but uh, the short term then is more the the OPEC production and so and Middle East. If you see, uh, you know, because the oil production today is, if I re believe what I read, seven to ten percent too high to compared to consumption. So if they saw this cutback, then in the short term, the next two years, that's where we could have the hit on the production side. Is that right or wrong? Yes, on the prolonged, if there is a prolonged reduction in drillability, you're going to see some effect on the production side. Mm. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> that said, I think so far, at least based on what I've seen, uh, the LPG shipping rates have held up reasonably well, uh, despite, uh, you know, demand interruptions and lower oil prices. Uh, can, can anybody, and I'll, I'll leave it wide open, can anybody sort of eliminate w what the state of the market is right now? What's the appetite from your customers? Uh, for the use of your ships and uh, and, and are there any um, interesting trading patterns or anything of that sort that, that you see developing that's helping keep the, the freight rates relatively tight here? Can I take a stab at this? Sure. Uh, first, um, just got, uh, coming back to what, uh, what I said before, um, the, the need for residential and commercial use of LPG will continue and continues. Uh, number two is that the um, uh, there, there are the tariff exemptions that came into force uh, by uh, China on U.S. LPG, U.S. sourced LPG. So that might be taking uh, place right now uh, with uh, cargoes already going to China, maybe within March, even maybe early April. Uh, and thirdly, the Chinese PDH plants have come back uh, from uh, an extended, if you like, uh, um, uh, uh, spring uh, kind of holiday uh, stopover, uh, and actually some of them were out of, uh, of for, for maintenance purposes, etc. So they have come back very strongly. They have a very high um, uh, utilization uh, currently. And also the, 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 the ARB has been very helpful for those PDH operators in China. So all these factors have helped in maintaining the market quite uh, uh, buoyed and strong uh, uh, as, as we can see it. 
and I can add that, the, of course, the fact that Saudi is pumping a lot more tons out has seen a lot of activity in, in, the, in the Middle East, which uh, obviously has uh, supported the, what, the, what, what John is saying, uh, created a lot of activity in recent weeks. We have seen it straight away from when the, uh, when the announcements were made from, from Saudi that they were going to pump more. We have actually seen the tons coming on LPG out straight away, which at least to me was a little bit of a surprise that it went so fast, but it did. But there's no doubt that uh, the VLGC market has kept up very, very well. But we also have to keep in mind that uh, the, the fact that it's still close to $50,000 a day is, is a lot due to the bunker price having come down substantially over the last few months. I think that's uh, five, six hundred thousand dollars equivalent on a monthly basis. That's that we have kind of been had the benefit from the from the lower bunker price. So that's you need to keep in the back of your mind. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Uh, so so with with all of that said, um, again, the, I think the market right now and investors are are more interested in minimizing their downside risk uh, and. As they had mentioned, you know, right now things look relatively healthy and, and maybe not as good as they could have been, but still not terrible. Uh, but there might still be risk and there are certainly uncertainties in the market. Uh, I'm curious uh, among the ship owners uh, how their position, just in case they're wrong, uh, what if day rates were to fall to $10,000 a day and stay there for a year? How how would your company handle that? And, and is that part of the calculus uh, that, that you're, you know, uh, exploring just as an abundance of caution here? Well, if I start, I mean, it's, we have a very different position because with Exmar we have 81% uh, of our mid-size carriers already committed on, 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 uh, on period charter. So our downside is very limited. And as an overall position in Exmar, we have uh, almost all assets covered for this year. So I'm not the right one to, to answer this question compared to my peers here in the VLGC segment. Um, well, uh, Ben, uh, uh, I don't think we've seen ten thousand dollars since two thousand nine. Um, okay, in two thousand eighteen, nineteen, uh, seventeen, eighteen, uh, we had uh, low rates, but uh, definitely not in the ten thousand uh, dollar. But every company looks and stress stresses its own balance sheets and makes sure that they can survive for um, a period of time of low rates, as you kind of suggested in this hypothetical situation. And uh, all I can say for our part, for Dorian, uh, is that we have a very conservative balance sheet uh, with very low leverage. Actually, we are the lowest leveraged from all the other uh, uh, companies uh, that are in the same uh, field. And we have made sure that we did, would not issue any equity to dilute our shareholders, so we have not done any of that. Uh, and actually, we've been doing buybacks to help that, with that now that this, the, the situation is a little bit better with uh, the finances. And um, also, we, uh, we, we are in the business for a long term, and we always watch our uh, balance sheet very, very carefully and try to avoid uh, over, overextending ourselves just exactly for this uh, situation of a bad uh, market. 
Yes, and for Avanza, I can say we have uh, around 8% covered uh, of our fleet uh, at 40,000, which uh, of course gives us some, uh, some uh, safety net. We also uh, do not expect 10,000 per day, uh, given also, and I think that supported what, what side said uh, uh, initially. Uh, naturally, again, we also would be looking at stress testing uh, our, our uh, organization and have done so, uh, particularly in the early uh, days when it was very unclear what's going on. It's still not 100% clear what's gonna happen, but more things are clear. Um, we have a strong balance sheet of, as well and a strong cash position. Uh, and uh, we have, uh, unlike uh, Dorian, we elect not to buy back shares, but uh, pay out dividends. And we have done that uh, actually this week. Uh, and uh, this is also a statement of how we believe that the market is, uh, is, uh, is going to hold up. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, one should always be uh, careful in situations like this, but even should the market drop to, to 10,000 a day, uh, we have uh, quite a, a long way, uh, a runway uh, to uh, 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 before we uh, before we get into trouble. So we are we are we are confident about that. Are any of you doing anything differently? Uh, I know you mentioned you paid a dividend um, during buying back shares. Uh, is is there are there any uh, you know are are you as we have seen in other industries, some some people drawing under revolvers just to make sure that there's plenty of liquidity or doing anything out of an abundance of caution just to, uh, um, you know, just to make sure that there's absolutely no, uh, or you're doing whatever you can to minimize downside risk. I think that uh, speaking for advance at least, but maybe it also goes for the other owners. I think we would probably like not to uh, leverage up but we would probably rather go out and take time charter contract as a as a as a way of uh, of of hedging our risk, so to say. Um, that would at least be uh, the view from Avance. Hmm. Uh, managing, okay. managing our our balance sheet is very important to us, and that's what we're doing. Uh, the reason we're doing buyback shares. Uh, instead of dividends is because we find uh, good value in our stock, uh, especially at these current rates and levels. Uh, we'd rather buy back uh, uh, shares than uh, pay money out. Uh, I think it's, a, it's an interesting way of thinking about it, especially when uh, your, uh, your stock is uh, so much lower than your actual NAV. I think that gives a lot more value to shareholders than giving a dividend out as a one-off uh, bonus from liquidity. Uh, so that's uh, generally our, our approach and the conservative balance sheet is uh, the other. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, uh, our view here in advance is that we think that it should be the shareholders decision as to where they want to place their money. So if they want to replace the money that they get in dividends back into the company, because we are undervalued, they're welcome to do that. If they want to keep it uh, in their pockets in an uncertain situation like today, they can do that. Great. Okay. Well, uh, I'll let you guys decide that amongst yourselves. Uh, mm -hmm. But the uh, I, I do want to sort of go back to the market a little bit and say, okay, uh, obviously for VLGCs, your primary, well, really only moving um, LPG, propane, and maybe occasionally butane. Um, uh, and you guys with the mid-sized vessels carry a, a, a wider, a little bit wider variety of cargos, uh, or at least potentially could. Uh, and, and maybe also, Ziad, 
are there aside from let's just say pure LPG, uh, are, are there any views on some of the other products that are sometimes carried uh, by LPG vessels, usually the smaller ones, but uh, um, be that petrochems or ammonia or uh, sort of what are the, some of the tangential trades uh, looking like or developing? You know, we trade about two-thirds LPG and one-third ammonia. Uh, and uh, it's obviously been over the last few years, it's the LPG trade that's, that has really grown, uh, while the ammonia trade has, has, uh, has grown uh, more modestly. But we're seeing over the next few years that the ammonia trade will grow uh, uh, a little bit more than what this has, has done over the last few years. So it's, to us, that's obviously a substantial product that we carry. We don't do any <coughs> petrochemicals uh, uh, the way it is today on our ships. But you know what we've seen is that uh, some of these, um, uh, at least smaller semi-rev ships, have really been struggling, uh, and and uh, and uh, that has been a very very difficult market situation. And I think people are expecting, have been expecting a lot of U.S. ethylene exports, which has not yet happened, and uh, there's a lot of tonnage built for that 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 has been suffering. But maybe Sahid has some more input on that. It's a. I, I would expect, like you know, on the ship owner's perspective, they have like more insight on that. I personally don't. Uh, we haven't been tracking that much, like how the smaller class, because our focus in our team is mostly on the VLGC side, and obviously there is no flexibility on 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 that segment. But yeah, a lot of the the new build uh, ethan carriers they they are more versatile. They build like, but it depends on like L LPG in general. It goes in a certain and ethan are usually supposed to go in a certain fixed route. So it's very hard to I would I would say to combine multiple products. Uh, even though we're gonna see more more trade on the on the ethan side and, okay. and yeah i would just add also we have 10 pressurized vessels and and that the market improved uh, from 17 to 18 but uh, last year it was a little bit disappointing coming off a little bit and uh, uh, so that's been a bit of a disappointing trade uh, and it's also a market that's a little bit difficult uh, and people seem not to believe in it too much because the order book is basically zero uh, which is a bit of a unique case uh, for 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 any shipping segment, actually. Okay, so um, now shifting back a little bit to uh, to maybe the, the pure well VLGCs, but also the mid-sized ships, uh, and <coughs> and you did mentioned that the majority of your mid-sized carriers have time charter con contracts, but could could you maybe really all of you talk through what you're hearing from your customers? Uh, is there a demand from your customers for period time charters? Uh, yeah, is, uh, is there been any change at all in other than maybe the method of communication and uh, in the dialogue that you're having with your customers and their need for, uh, for capacity? 
Uh, on, on the if I start with the midsize, I mean it's, this is a really a time charter market. Uh, the spot market is is fairly limited compared to the the fleet size. I mean the fleet is uh, slightly below 100 ships, and and uh, so the spot market is very limited. But you know we continue to see deals done in the 800 to 900 thousand dollars a a month range. Which is, you know, substantially uh, improvement from a uh, substantial improvement from last year, when the rates were 500, about uh, you know a little bit the same time this year or last year, sorry. So we, uh, you know, we continue to see the trade uh, moving, and we continue to see some interest from from potential charters at, at these kind of levels. Great, uh, John or or Eric, any. Uh, color from what you're hearing with respect to your customers? Um, because we operate uh, a pool called Helios LPG, uh, we, um, we see quite a lot of activity, not only on the spot markets, but also in uh, time charters and uh, contracts of abatement. And uh, uh, but we do have uh, the, the opportunity to keep a lot of uh, ship spot. Uh, some ships uh, uh, on 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 term business and uh, some others uh, to cover certain contracts. So we kind of see everything uh, happening, uh, and it's uh, it's certainly a, a, an improvement in the markets because the market has stayed uh, fairly supported and at a high le higher levels, and uh, charters have uh, actually. Uh, traders and charters have started to come into the market and uh, and seek uh, shipping cover uh, for um, for a continuation of this market because it looks like it's going to be uh, continuing for uh, a reasonable time uh, the 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 strength the strength in the markets uh, in the LPG markets as such uh, so um, yes we're seeing interest and um, and it is. Uh, been at, uh, at at healthy levels. Ulrik, the same from you. I think we have seen over the last uh, couple of weeks uh, the traders being uh, very focused on the product markets and not so much on taking uh, uh, coverage. Uh, maybe uh, maybe they quote John instead of us. I don't know, uh, but um, but we have seen uh, what can you say uh, a little bit less uh, TC. Uh, talks. Uh, that said, the uh, VLTC market is um, not always uh, as liquid on the TC front, so it's not, uh, I wouldn't, have, wouldn't say it's been something out of the ordinary on a big scale. Uh, and that said, there are actually, as we speak, uh, TC inquiries in the market. Um, but, uh, but the uncertainty has, at least for a couple of weeks ago, uh, muted discussions a little bit, but it seems as if uh, maybe it's, uh, it's coming back on, as, as, as also uh, John, is, uh, John is saying. Okay, Sahid, I have a question for you. You know, with the, with the, with the pricing the way it is, and there's been some rumors that uh, or talk about people canceling liftings in the U.S. Do you see a short-term downside risk, or are you fairly confident that it's going to to stay uh, fairly firm the way it is today? No, like you're right, uh, because of relatively in the U.S. market, the ARB is kind of shot right now. Uh, and there has been discussion of cancellation because on, on paper, on calculated basis, uh, the ARB is not working right now and the, the, the premium on the 
FOB premium that we call it, it's uh, less than where cancellation is supposed to happen. And there has been discussion. I haven't heard any yet, but uh, we are, uh, there is expectation there could be some cancellation if uh, US price uh, doesn't come off or the freight rate doesn't come off. Because, uh, uh, or the best case scenario, Asian prices has to come up, but based on what downstream petrochemical prices are, it's uh, highly unlikely that uh, Asian prices will come up to open the ARV. But you're right, uh, ARV looks pretty weak right now, to, uh, which could lead to some cancellation. So, so we need to believe in the Middle East. Uh, sorry, could you repeat You need that? to believe, believe in the Middle East. <laughs> yeah. So, so along those lines, if the Saudis keep in Russia and everybody keep it up, and at least our internal view is that they will through the rest of the year, um, <coughs> U.S. prices have to come down. Is that correct? <coughs> yep. Yes, I mean uh, the steady flow from the U.S. to Far East, like prices, has to come come down. Let's say like it could be U.S. <coughs> whichever would yield and uh, make our work. I mean, U.S. prices has been uh, relatively uh, weak, uh, slow to respond to the slowdown in global prices. And I guess you had some late season cold weather, which probably kept prices uh, not, I wouldn't say stable, but it didn't feel much. But we have seen sharp drops in recent, in the past week or so. So maybe it's uh, heading to the direction because once you start having injection during the shorter month, prices uh, should expect it to come down because we have uh, more inventory than last year at this point. So once you have um, the shorter season, uh, there should be uh, increase in inventory, which should in general weigh on prices. Correct. Uh, no, that's helpful. And we've already been given our uh, our notice that we need to wrap it up here. But uh, just wanted to uh, my my perception of this is that certainly um, relative to the response as seen in some of the stocks, maybe the things aren't quite as bad as they appear. Um, <coughs> uh, are there uh, you know? Are there any other takeaways that uh, that you guys would like to leave with people uh, with respect to sort of how uh, how you think you're positioned or or how the the market would uh, is likely to play out and how you'll do in in relation to that? Yeah, I think that then what we can say and what has also been uh, sort of concluded today is that of course what has happened over the last uh, three weeks, four weeks, maybe a little bit more, uh, is uh, changing the world uh, to, to to a large degree, and it will put a dent, I think, in most of the owners' earnings uh, this year. I think it means that we will not be as prof profitable as we would have been this year. On the flip side of uh, what we see is normal in shipping. We have a, what can you say, a boom and bust cycle. This is the normal way it works out. Here, we have actually hit the brakes a little bit very early in the cycle. And I think that will lead to less ordering. It will see delays on new buildings. And it may mean that we can have a business that is uh, maybe not as profitable, 
uh, but profitable for a longer time. So that is sort of the the, the way we look at it uh, here from uh, from 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 isolated Norway. Great. Uh, yes, and uh, I I I I agree. Uh, I agree with Ulrich. Uh, there there is um, a, a good uh, trade continuing, and that uh, is uh, helpful to the markets. Uh, even though we had a, um, a hiccup here, which we don't know how long it's going to last, but uh, th there is a demand for the product, as we said before, for uh, a, a lot of reasons uh, in China and uh, uh, in India and in Indonesia and um, Japan and Korea, of course, uh, who are the big consumers of LPG. Uh, the, the, the growth uh, may be... Uh, kind of flattening rather than uh, stopping in LPG production. Uh, I believe that uh, consumption is not going to be affected as uh, we're going uh, forward because the, uh, no matter whether naphtha may become temporarily more attractive for um, the, the, the petrochemical industry, I still think that LPG has a good position with the petrochemical industry and at the end of the day uh, will be perhaps prefer to uh, naphtha um, because it, 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 it always has a benefit of, uh, of uh, being uh, perhaps a cheaper commodity and uh, um, a commodity that is attractive right now and has been put already in the, um, in the uh, feedstock of many of these plants that are already uh, using LPG as, uh, as their own feedstock. And um, of course, um, as Yen said earlier, uh, I think the bunker prices have helped a lot, uh, being a lot lower to keep uh, the rates of the LPGs uh, really healthy. And, um, and I think that uh, uh, we, we, we have seen a market in LPG which is uh, slightly in contango, uh, trading-wise, therefore that helps um, longer voyages, even uh, from the U.S. or around the Cape from the U.S., uh, because this contango trade means that uh, perhaps a longer term storage of the product might help until the market turns around. So all of these factors have helped this market uh, maintain its, uh, 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 its, its rates. Great. Well, we've been given the hook here. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I did. Jens, did you have any last bit? You didn't have a chance to say anything. I, I, I no, no, I think as you know, we always said that LPG is supply driven and as long as the, the, the supply, as uh, Saheed said, will, will continue to grow, we should have a, a, a good market going forward being on the VLGCs or the midsize. I guess we'll only, we'll, but we may have some short term disruptions here that will, uh, will shake us a little bit, but longer term it should be okay. Great. Well, thank you, uh, Zia, John, Jens, or uh, okay. I believe that there's a way to ask questions. I'm not really sure how to do that. I'm the, clearly the least tech savvy of all of us here. But uh, mm -hmm. anyway, I, I did I did want to say I really appreciate you guys carving out time. And I appreciate uh, Capital Inc. and Nicholas for uh, inviting me to, to host the panel. I, hopefully it was very helpful uh, to everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.